finding myself in a very uh, unique situation, like many pastors around the world, um, preaching and, and uh, standing in front of a church uh, with uh, empty benches. Um, I hope that as we come together here this morning, um, in a virtual way, that even though I think all of us miss the opportunity to fellowship together and, and um, come together as the Word instructs us to, that we will, when this passes, uh, Lord willing, have a greater appreciation for the fellowship and the privilege that we have to gather together. Perhaps the Lord is also preparing us for a time when the benches and churches will be empty and even the churches will be locked, not because of a health crisis like we are in now, but because of because of a, a difference or of not allowing us to preach the gospel and spread the good news of Jesus Christ because it contradicts what the world view is and what the world is thinking. And so maybe the Lord is preparing us for that. But as we adapt to this changing, this rapidly changing landscape of uh, the world around us, let's, let's nevertheless be thankful for the opportunity we have, even this morning, to be able to connect together like this. In a sense, in a virtual church, it reminds us also that the church is not a building. The church is the people, and we can gather together to be one in spirit, and we know that that is what unites us together. That is what has united believers throughout the ages. So with that in mind, let's begin this morning with an opening prayer. Heavenly Father, as we gather together here this morning, not in person, but over the airwaves, so to speak, we are so very thankful to be able to do so, to be able to broadcast your word, your living word, around the world, that it would provide encouragement and exhortation to all that will listen. And so we ask, Father in heaven, that you would bless this service, even though there is no one really here, just a couple of us, but that you would bless each one that is listening, that is watching, and that you would touch their hearts with your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, with your precious and all-powerful and living word, and that you would minister to the needs of each and every one. We pray, Heavenly Father, that sinners would be drawn to repentance and turning to you, O God. We pray that we as your children could evaluate our lives and that we would be more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so we pray your blessing now upon this service on each one that has joined us. We ask this, Father in heaven, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Over the past week, I have, um, my, my mind, my thoughts went to a particular scripture. I couldn't quickly find it, but uh, obviously did. And it was a word that, that spoke about, about things being shaken and, and, um, things that remain and, and it just, the, the conditions of the world around me reminded me of that, and I just would like to read a number of verses from Hebrews chapter 12, um, verses 26 to 29, and uh, begin this service uh, and, and expound a little bit upon that, but speak uh, um, hopefully words, as I said in the prayer, that can be words of encouragement and also words of exhortation. I will do my best to be able to focus on the microphone and not on these empty benches here. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses 26 to 29, if you would like to join along in the reading of this scripture. Whose voice then shook the earth? But now he hath promised, saying, Yet... Once more I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken 
may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. To better understand what these verses really are talking about, I believe, I'd like to just give a very brief overview of the book of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is not really known, but he, just like his audience, obviously had a very clear knowledge of God's dealings with his chosen people, the children of Israel, down through the ages. And we know that the audience was indeed um, the Jewish, primarily Jewish people. It may not have been entirely Jewish Christians, but uh, those that had a knowledge of that. Um, we know that simply by the name of the book, since it is called the book of Hebrews. But this book of Hebrews, this letter that was written to them, wherever they were uh, finding themselves at that time, is really one in which Jesus Christ is elevated and um, portrayed as the ultimate revelation of God himself. It's also a book that includes multiple warnings that are given to God's people, not only that were given to the children of Israel throughout their history up until that time, as we find them recorded in Scripture, but also warnings that were given to these early believers, to these Jewish believers uh, that would be relevant to, to them. And I think it's an important book for, for us, especially. Many of us, most of us, have grown up in Christian homes, grown up in the church. We are also very familiar with God's dealings with his chosen people, and we are also very acquainted of how he interacted with them. And we, too, are of the seed of Abraham by faith, the Bible tells us. And so I think many of the warnings and encouragements that were given to the believers in Hebrews are also very, very applicable to us. And we, too, know that just as they were being encouraged to accept Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Savior, that we all are encouraged to do that as well. The book of Hebrews opens up with just this exhortation that in the time past, God chose many different ways and even individuals that would proclaim his message. And it says that, in those in these last days, then and now, he has spoken unto us by his Son, by Jesus Christ, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And in these few verses, we see for sure that, that, that Jesus is being elevated and being portrayed not only as the Son of God, but as the Savior of the world, not only as the creator of all things, but the one that holds it all together by the power of his might and by the power of the Spirit. And also acknowledging for us that he is a risen Savior, that he not only died for our sins, but that he rose from the dead, and that he, as it says here, has sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And so the, the book of Hebrews certainly elevates Jesus to his rightful place, not only showing us who he really was as the Messiah and the Savior, but also revealing to us what he taught and the message that he brings, and especially what he accomplished for us on the cross, dying for our sins, being resurrected, offering new life to all those that will repent towards God and put their faith in Jesus Christ. And that invitation 
to do that still goes out to the unbeliever. If you have heard the gospel, if you have known the Holy Scriptures as we read in Timothy from your youth, we pray that you would not neglect that, but that especially in this time of uncertainty, you would, in a renewed way, see the need to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ and accept him as Lord and Savior, give your life to him. But Hebrew reveals to us that Christ is indeed one with the Father, that he is the very nature and image. That verse there talked about Jesus Christ being the image of God, kind of an imprint of God, and he portrayed everything and all that God is. That his message was superior, we see in the book of Hebrews, to that of the prophets, and even superior to that of angels that he was superior to angels, and that as much as the Hebrew nations, the children of Israel, held in high esteem Moses and Abraham as their fathers, that Jesus was greater than them, but also greater than the Mosaic law that had come, the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, and all that was involved, that he was also greater than that priesthood and the sacrifices And that ultimately, Jesus in himself, he became the ultimate sacrifice, that perfect sacrifice, that Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the earth for all of mankind, the one that would take away the sins of the world. And so we know, even as we have read, that he is seated in majesty at the right hand of the Father, that he has become also the ultimate, the eternal, great high priest, as we can read in um, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, that that we can come to him as as the one that um, we can approach in, in a time such as this. For we read there that it says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And certainly this is a time of need, and we can approach that throne of grace, our Heavenly Father. And so this really provides us with a little bit of a backdrop for the text that we have read, especially these words, the removing of those things that are shaken, as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. What the book of Hebrews does is show to us that a kingdom has been ushered in, the kingdom of God, by the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of the things that were no longer remained. But what he ushered in was something that is sure, something that cannot be shaken. And he established, Jesus Christ established that new covenant. He established a kingdom that cannot cannot be moved and one that will remain. Wherefore, We have received a kingdom that cannot be moved. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that ought to be a tremendous encouragement in this time. In a time when um, the kingdoms of this world and the world system that it has are, are being shaken. And to say that is really an understatement. It's hard to believe how much the world has changed in from just three months ago we had a strong economy the stock market seemed like it had no ceiling china seemed like a place that was very far away on the other side of the world but in just a short matter of time so much has changed in our everyday life in the health system the financial markets the economy governments life as most of us have known it has drastically changed Yet as difficult, beloved, as as the circumstances that we are finding ourselves in may seem to us at this moment, I think we also need to put this into perspective and recognize that, that many in previous generations 
our parents' generation, our grandparents' generations, and those many before, that they have endured much greater hardship or difficulty than we are right now. And often endured it with far less resources. And they weathered many difficulties, war and poverty and depression and persecution, even imprisonment, suffering for the faith, and so many more things. And even death in the book of Hebrews speaks about that as well in, in, in chapter, in chapter 11 when it talks about the heroes of faith of the past. So let's keep all of that in, in perspective. But as we do that, we need to look at our own lives and, and perhaps ask ourselves this very important question. How has my own world been shaken? How has my life been affected? The life that I have been living up until this time. And I realize that when this scripture here talks about, about that which has been shaken and, and really falls apart and that which can. It's talking about this kingdom of God, but it's also speaking to our lives and asking ourselves to, to really look at our lives and find out where is our life anchored? In what is our life anchored? The answer to the question, how has my own world been shaken, may well be an indication of where our allegiance lies or where it has lying, lain, where our priorities are placed, in whom and in what we have placed our faith, our trust, our confidence, and our hope. As God's children, if we are finding ourselves in this time being afraid and being anxious, worrying about our health or the health of our families, fearful of what the future might hold, how we'll survive or make it through, will we have enough money, will we have enough resources um, to live on? If that is what is our preoccupation at this time, it well may be a warning to us that our faith is not as strong as it should be. And that, as we have read together here, that God's grace has not been at work in our lives as it should be. And maybe we have not been serving God acceptably, as this verse, as these verses say, with reverence and with godly fear. Let's ask ourselves this morning some more very important questions that I hope we can ponder on, not only as you hear this message, but even after this message. Asking ourselves the question, how am I personally responding to this pandemic in my own life, in my own personal life? Take an inventory of that. How much have I been relying on the systems of this world, not only in the past, but now in these present circumstances as well? Looking to this world and and what this world and our government may be so ready and willing to offer us instead of looking to God. Asking the very important question, what is God trying to teach me in and through all of this? And also that very important question, what changes are needed in my life now, in this time, in this season, to make me become more kingdom-focused, to make me become more established and firmly grounded and rooted in this kingdom of God that cannot be moved. Many of us may be asking the question is what is happening in the world today a result of of God executing his judgment on the earth. And I can't answer that question for you. I can tell you however that God has in the past done that. So it begs the question why shouldn't he be doing it now? And it is sad indeed that as we listen, and many of us are very much preoccupied, is what's uh, the news that is going over the airwaves, that that precious little, virtually nothing, is mentioned of God in all of that. No talk of repentance. No talk of uh, appealing for to God for his help. 
and protection for his providence and all of that. And sadly, what the Apostle Paul wrote in, in the first chapter of Romans, verses 21 and 22, is so very much true still today in the world that we live in, where he said, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, and neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And as we can read in the following chapter, chapter 13 of Hebrews, and there's a number of verses that I want to touch upon in this message, but in verse 4, the Bible makes it very clear that God will judge. In that verse, specifically those that disregard his moral law, and have a a, a total disregard for the sanctity of marriage and for human sexuality as God intended it. God will judge those who have a disregard for those things as well as those that have a disregard for the sanctity of life and for the order that God has established in creation, the truths and, and the unchanging biblical precepts that are given to us throughout the Bible. God will judge. And in the past, he has often judged those things in their time. But ultimately, there will be a judgment for all of these things. And we know that God is, as we have read, a consuming fire. And his judgment cannot be escaped. But I'd like to remind us as believers of this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17 of what the Bible says there. It reads as follows. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it be at first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Beloved, this is a call to us as God's children to really stand in judgment, not of one another, but of ourselves, that we would examine our own lives and that we would recognize that in many ways the Lord maybe, not maybe, most certainly is also calling us to repentance. A verse that we often uh, quote in, in, in regards to this is found in Second Chronicles uh, chapter 7, verse 14. I'd like to share that verse, but begin with the preceding verse, verse 13, where the Bible says, and I think you will find this verse, verse 13, very interesting, because God is speaking. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, been a tremendous amount of droughts happening Australia, California, around the world. Or if I command the locusts to devour the land, if you've looked a little bit beyond the corona coverage in the news, you will read that for some time, areas of the Middle East and Eastern Africa have been over, overrun by billions and billions of locusts that are destroying crops and the livelihood of so many people. Or if I send a pestilence, an epidemic among my people. And then we have verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Perhaps as never before, this verse, these verses, are ones that we ought to very much take to heart as we look into our own lives and examine our own lives before the Lord in the mirror of God's word. I don't know if God has sent this virus on the earth, but I do know that he allowed it. And in his sovereignty, he will use it to accomplish the purposes that he has ordained for his honor and for his glory. And if part of that purpose is to chastise us, to correct us, to discipline us, 
then so be it. Because the Bible tells us also in the book of Hebrews that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. We read that in Hebrews chapter 12. I'd like to read these verses, verses 11 to 13. Now no chastening for the present time seemeth to be joyous, but grievous, and nevertheless afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Whatever the Lord may be doing in your life, in my life, in the life of our church, of our church family, of our church families, in our denomination, or even around the world, and most certainly also in the world around us in our everyday lives. Let us allow the Lord to, to use this time to accomplish the purpose of in our lives, to having us become more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, more in line with his word, that it indeed might set our feet on in a better way on that straight path, and that those areas of our lives that need healing, that need correction, that need to be restored in a right way, that that would take place, and that there would be that fruit of righteousness that would be the result of this time, this season that we are in. If that happens, I indeed believe that God will be glorified and what he ultimately wants to do in us will be to his glory. So let's look together at a number of scriptures here this morning that perhaps can help us to make some of this course correction. Because indeed, God's word is given to us, not only as a lamp unto our feet and a light for our path, but also as one that will really be an exhortation that can cause us to, to make some coarse corrections, so to speak. We read in Second Timothy, Paul wrote to, to Timothy these words, and these words are, are so applicable to us. You know, the, the previous word, verse, he reminds Timothy that from his childhood he has known the Holy Scriptures which were able to make him wise unto salvation and that is so applicable to us and that has been the, has been the experience of many of us that we have known the Holy Scriptures, the gospel message of Jesus Christ that has enabled us to become his children, to experience the grace, the forgiveness of God. But those same scriptures, Paul wrote to Timothy, are given by the inspiration of God. All of them are given by the inspiration of God, and they are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God, the child of God, may be perfect and thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God gives us his word for our benefit, for our learning. As it says here, for our, for doctrine, teaching us how to live. For reproof, showing us when we're not living the way we should. For correction, showing us how we can get back on the right path, back into that place where we are living right. And then for instruction in righteousness. So that ongoing, on a daily basis, we can be living out the gospel, living out the word of God, and following the precepts, the truths, the eternal truths that God has given to us in his word. And that that will enable us and equip us, as it says here, unto all good works, to do the work that Jesus Christ has left behind for us to do, to become his hands and his feet. Going back to the book of Hebrews in these first, um, chapter 12, the beginning of the chapter that we, from which we have read the first two verses, Paul is, uh, the writer rather, we may have been Paul, whoever it was, was reflecting on the lives of these heroes of faith. Those that, um, throughout the, the history of the children of Israel and even 
in their beginnings, had demonstrated tremendous faith and often in, in great adversity and, and trials. And he, and he says that, um, that we are compassed about um, by a great cloud of witnesses, these that, that witnessed of, of the presence of God in our lives, in their lives. And these heroes of faith, they were not uh, perfect believers, not by any stretch. Most, if not all of them, had flaws in, 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 in their lives. Uh, seasons in which they, they certainly did not demonstrate faith in God or walking with God. And, and so we too, in, in a very perhaps familiar uh, or similar way rather, can identify with them as well that, that even though we have faith and, and we do believe that that faith sometimes is tested and we fail the test and we don't, that we don't demonstrate our confidence and our trust in God the way we should. And so I think that when the writer in Hebrews gives us this list, he is also showing us that, that these were men and women, much like you and I, that also um, experience challenges and difficulties in life, and often those tests in life, we do not fare that well. But God is gracious, and God is loving, and he is, and he is drawing us, even in this season, even in this time, even as he did in the lives of those heroes of faith, back towards him. And he does that by, by giving us this exhortation and saying, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. May that be a model for us in this time. But more importantly, these words, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Later on in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Beloved brothers and sisters, let us claim that truth in our lives that this Jesus, who we are encouraged to look to, is the same today as he was yesterday, and he will be tomorrow. What he has done for others, not only these heroes of faith, but believers throughout the ages, and for us as well in our lives and other difficulties or trials that we have experienced. As the songwriter says, what he has done for others, he will do for you and for me as well. Then he goes on to say, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. The Lord Jesus was was looking, was looking into the future. And in the future, he saw you and he saw me. And he saw the need that we would have of salvation. He saw your sin and my sin and the sins of the whole world. And for that reason, he was willing and ready to go to the cross to endure the pain, the the, the shame and, and the suffering so that he could accomplish salvation for each and every one of us. And he knew that ultimately he would be resurrected and he would be seated once again at the right hand of the Father and that he would be there to be able to intercede for us. He knew that there was a place, an abiding, uh, eternal place because this kingdom that he had established was one that was eternal. And so in the same way, brothers and sisters, let's look to Jesus And realize also that we have been given a kingdom, not only that cannot be shaken, that cannot be moved, but one that is eternal. For we read in Hebrews chapter 13, the 14th verse, it says, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. And the one that we are seeking to come is eternal in the heavens, the Bible says, And it is a place in which the Bible tells us there will be no more suffering, no more sickness, no more viruses, no more epidemics, no more deaths as we see them and and many fear them. 
Many of the things, the Bible says, the former things will pass away because all things will become new. And we also ought to look towards that. Yet we find ourselves in this time, in these circumstances, surrounded by everything that we hear and see that is going on, not only in the world and in our communities and our country and, and all around the world. And it's inevitable that that is going to impact us and can very easily, as we examine our lives, as I said earlier, perhaps find ourselves being, being anxious and being fearful. And that is not a surprising thing. And yet, let's look to the scriptures. Let's look to the word of God and, and, and see what encouragement we can find there. And, and perhaps take to heart in a new um, way scriptures that perhaps in the past we have known but have just brushed over because life was good. Things were going okay and we didn't seem to really need them so much. Perhaps the Lord is, is allowing all of this to, to bring us back to the reality of some of these scriptures that are so very important for us to cling to, not only in this time, but also when this time passes and in every day of our lives. Thinking of Philippians chapter 4, familiar verses that I would like to read to you. Um, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, in other words, um, calling upon God with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep, preserve your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. These are not unfamiliar words. But has and does what is going on around us give you a renewed desire and need for prayer with thanksgiving? Thanking God for even the, the help that is available to us. Thanking him for his presence. Praying to him for help. May we indeed be encouraged to call upon the name of the Lord. We need to be asking ourselves, what are we feeding on? I think many of us, myself included, are, are being consumed by and caught up with the news and wanting to, to new, know what the, the latest uh, details are of what's going on in our community and our country and the world around us. And, and we can easily be consumed by all of that news and, and some of it may even be like g- gossip, perhaps, instead of the good news the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And while the world is, is being, in, in many ways, brought to their knees, unfortunately not to prayer, may we be brought to our knees in prayer to God. And may we focus on what God has for us. You know, listening to the news and, and everything that is going on there, will only increase our anxiety and, and perhaps our fear, our concerns. But focusing on the good news, the gospel, the word of God, feeding on that will relieve that. And we'll be able to take in the scriptures in a new way that Jesus, that the word of God gives us. And even the very words of Jesus when he said, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall wear, uh, how you'll be clothed or, or where you shall live and, and so on. and But rather recognize that just as God has taken care and does take care of the, the birds of the air and the animals, he will take care of us. 
Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. Let's recognize that this word has always been true, but is also very much true today. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, the things that we need today in our lives, maybe what we really need may be different than what we think they are. Of course, we need to, to have um, enough to eat and a place to live and, 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 and to live on and, and, and our jobs and so on to be able to provide. But the things that we really need, God will provide but spiritually speaking, he wants to give us those things that, that will truly enrich our lives. The Apostle Paul uttered this prayer for the Ephesians. May this prayer also be on our hearts. And, and may these desires truly be in our desires beyond the physical needs that we have and and perhaps answers for the questions we have about what the future holds and and the uncertainty of, of all of that. May we pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, would be opened, that, that we might be able to truly see and know what is the hope of his calling, the calling that God has placed upon each of our lives as his children. And what are the riches of his glory? And what the inheritance is for us as his saints. And what are those ex- the, the exceeding greatness of his power that is given to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. The mighty power, as it says here, that was demonstrated in Christ when he was raised from the dead and was set at the right hand in heaven, in heavenly places beside the Father. Beloved, the power of God that raised Jesus Christ is still at work in the world today. God's power, his omnipotent power, has not been minimized and will not be minimized by anything that is going on in the world. And that power, that strength, that is available based upon the word of God to to you and to me. And we need to claim that. We need to go there for the help that we need in this time of need and trust that God is going to supply everything that we need. Call upon his name. Trust him for that. But we need to be encouraged that in this time as we reflect upon our lives, we perhaps need to reflect upon how we have lived up until this time. Look at at how this is affecting us and perhaps realize that some corrections need to be made, that the Lord may be disciplining us, may be asking us to reprioritize our lives and focus on things that are really and truly important. In the the next chapter here, chapter 13, um, just like to read this, it says, keep your life, and this is from the ESV, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? In this time of of certainly monetary uncertainty, perhaps we need to be reminded, as as perhaps many have, have seen their their. Um, investments uh, go down and and perhaps their financial security of, of having a job and having an income being compromised and so on that that we need to look perhaps have we been placing our faith our confidence our trust in in money has has that grown to the extent as it says here that it becomes the love of money or covetousness as the bible calls us that we trust in those things rather than in the living God. 
This is most certainly a time that we need to learn contentment. Learn to be content with such things, with those things that we do have. And, and readjust the, our, our wants and desires. And maybe make some adjustments in our lives. And maybe the Lord may be using this time, this season, to really exhort us, but also discipline us, even in this area. And realize that even as this word says, that God will not forsake us. As his children, he has promised to be with us to the very end. The comfort of the Holy Spirit is there not only to comfort, but to teach us and to guide us and to be always present with us. The Lord is our helper. We have nothing to fear at all. So we need to ask those questions. And we also need to ask ourselves, how heavily have I invested in the kingdom that cannot be shaken? As we see maybe other investments suffering, how has our investment, how is our investment in the kingdom of God doing? Have we invested little and perhaps are suffering today as a result of that? Have we lost perhaps some of the eternal perspective that we ought to have of laying up treasure, as the Bible says, as Jesus said, in heaven and not on earth? Are we perhaps today, right now, experiencing the reality and the truth of the biblical principle that when the Bible says in Galatians that whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap? And if we sow to the flesh, we will reap of the flesh. If we sow to to the world and, and its system, we will reap the results of that, which many are in the world today. But if we sow to the Spirit, if we sow spiritually speaking, we will reap a spiritual harvest. A spiritual harvest of being able to have that fruit of the Spirit, even in a time like this, love and joy, peace, contentment, and all of those things that the Bible speaks about, that we will have a different response than perhaps many that are in the world around us. And we need to ask ourselves, uh, how, how have we been, been building on, on that foundation that we have been given as children of God? In, in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says that there is no other foundation. In other words, there is no other sure foundation than that which has been given to us, which is none other than Jesus Christ. None other than having a personal relationship with the living God through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross for us. But let's ask us in this season, in this time, how have we been building on that foundation? Paul challenged the Corinthian believers with that thought. And he, he compared the building with, with um, hay, wood, and stubble, which we know will, will, will be gone with the fire, to building with, with precious stones, with silver and gold, with those things that have, have real value and that will last. And so let's ask ourselves that question. As we, as we take perhaps a personal inventory of our lives, have we been building with those things that are strong, that will last, that will help us to endure the storms? Not only this storm, but whatever may come in the future as well. We need to be taking that kind of an inventory in our lives. You know, several months ago, all of us uh, were probably busy with our lives, living our hectic lives and, and going full steam with all of that. And, and we were perhaps not being able to find the time to, to do and invest in eternal things and do the things that are, are more important in being, as I said earlier, uh, kingdom-focused, focused on those things that, that God wants us to be focused on. And now suddenly all of that has changed um, due to this self-isolating that we are encouraged and should be doing. 
perhaps having a reduced work schedule or even being laid off, many of you. Certainly by the call that we should have this social distancing and, and be careful with that and all of those things. And, and as well that, uh, you know, all of these uh, closures that are, um, are happening all around us that are limiting, limiting that. But uh, just read an interesting uh, uh, clip that went out this this morning that that um, you know just mentioned that all of these things are canceled, including our church service here, and many there's been so many closures, but there are things that aren't canceled. We can still pray, and we should. We can still read the word. We can still encourage one another in different ways, and and we should do that as as much as we can. Um, calling one another, staying in touch with with one another. And most certainly, many of us find ourselves all of a sudden with time, time on our hands. Let's use that wisely. Let's use that to, to, to really nurture our relationship with the Lord and to really, as the Bible says, redeem this time and in this season that we are in. And to do, as I believe the psalmist has said, to really become still and know that I am God. God says that to us. So let's use this time to really nurture not only that relationship with God, but also the relationships that we have within our families, especially as we consider our marriages and our relationship with our children and, and try to do that with, with things that are really wholesome. It, 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 it's easy in this season to, to get caught up with doing things that, that become time wasters still and things that will not really benefit us. Let's, let's see this time too as a gift from God to be able to use to His honor, to His glory and for Him to accomplish in our lives those kinds of purposes. But we also need to consider using that time and, and, and ask ourselves, how is this pandemic affecting um, um, my life and those around me? In the very uh, next verse, following the ones that we read as our text, the Bible says, let brotherly love continue. And so we should certainly continue to exercise that brotherly love as we encourage one another, as we pray for one another, as we look for creative ways in which we can also do that and share that with one another to really build each other up. And then on in verse 16 of that last chapter of Hebrews, it says, but to do good and to share, don't forget, for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. In this time, let us also take to heart that familiar scripture in Galatians chapter 6, that as we have opportunities, and let's look for some opportunities, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them that are of the household of faith. And it's also a time, beloved, when a lot of people are talking about what's going on. Let's, let's make it an effort that we would bring a biblical perspective into all of this. And look, as it says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, look and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh of you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. This is a time to, to bring God and his message from the word of God into the public arena, so to speak, into the lives of people that perhaps otherwise in in that are in a time when things are well may not give god a second thought that may be thinking that there must be more to life there must be more to this and and we have the more we have the message that they need to hear and so let's be ready to do that willing to do that let's ask god to not only give us the opportunities but also to be able to recognize those opportunities and freely share the hope that we have in Jesus Christ and that message of salvation that the world so desperately needs at this time. So in closing, I trust that these exhortations, these encouragements have indeed been an encouragement to each and every one of you. 
The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is a promise. A promise that is given to us as God's children. A promise that is given to everyone that will choose to call upon the name of the Lord. So when the songwriter asks the question, does Jesus care? The resounding answer is yes, he cares. I know he cares. In a few moments, we'd like to play that song for you with the words, encourage you to meditate in your home. Feel free to sing along if you care to as well. But as a family, wherever you are gathered, rest assured in this promise that we have a God who is sitting on his throne. And at his right hand is his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is interceding for us, interceding on our behalf. And he is touched. He is, he sees, he knows, and he cares, and we can cast our cares upon him. And so I'd like to close with these ver- words, these verses from Hebrews chapter 13, and then we'll play that song. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting, everlasting covenant, the kingdom that cannot be shaken, let him make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's finish our service with a prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. May your kingdom come and your will be done here upon earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Lord, we acknowledge that you are sovereign ruler over this earth. That nothing happens outside of your knowledge and outside of your authority. And so we appeal to you, Father, as our Heavenly Father. And we trust you, Father, knowing that you are in control of all things. And even though we tend towards anxiousness and towards um, concern over everything that's happening around us to varying degrees, depending on our circumstances, Father, we, we pray that you would give us a heart that would truly trust in you um, through the circumstances that are around us. And even though this world and its systems um, are struggling to cope with everything that's happening, we pray, we know, Father, that your kingdom is not shaken, um, that your will is being accomplished throughout this world, um, that things are going according to your plan, Father, and we have faith and trust in that. And we pray that you would give us um, a daily peace and assurance each and every day um, to trust in you um, through this time. Father, we want to pray for um, wisdom uh, and strength for those who um, are dealing with um, circumstances that are out of the ordinary, out of the normal routine of life, whether that's parents, um, husbands and wives with their childrens, um, managers and bosses at work, um, those who are in the healthcare systems, those who are in government, who are making choices. Um, we pray that you would... Um, Give them wisdom and grace uh, during this time to do what is right and good. And especially for those of us who are your children, Father, that we can do do those things that truly honor you um, when our faith is being tested and when we are not in our daily routines. Father, we also pray um, that you would 
Um, just help us to recognize the opportunities that we have around us as your children um, to be a light and a witness in this world as there's much turmoil. Um, we pray that the hope of the gospel would be upon our hearts and demonstrated through our lives as we um, witness to those around us in uh, an extraordinary, extraordinary circumstances that we find ourselves in. Um, we pray that you would uh, protect us, Father. We pray for protection for your people um, as uh, there is much um, going on, and um, there are um, this disease that has come upon the earth and, and the various trials that go along with that. Father, we pray that you would protect and hold your people close to you, that their faith would be strong um, and rooted in you, and uh, that our hope would be not in this earth, um, but in the hope of future glory and of eternity. Father, we also want to pray for those individuals within our church who are still struggling. Um, we think of Brother Tibby, who's just recently gone through surgery and the amputation with his leg. Um, comfort him and be with him. Also, Sister Julie Weinhardt, who is in the hospital right now. And uh, those who are even recovering, uh, we think of Sister Eva Winterstein as well. Um, we pray your blessing upon her. Even those who are um, still um, mourning the, the death of their loved ones, um, we think of the Delic family as well. We pray for them, that you would hold them in your hand, Father, and comfort them through this time. And for those needs that are around us, um, we don't see all of them, Father, but you see into the hearts, um, into the lives, into the details of your people. And um, we pray that you would just sustain and keep them in your grace, Father. We trust you that you are in control of all things, and um, we pray that you would go with us now, even though we can't be together. Um, we pray that you would bind us together in spirit and in love through the love that we have in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And uh, we pray that you would dismiss us now with your peace, and that the things that we have heard from your word um, would linger in our minds and in our hearts, and uh, would go with us in this coming week in whatever would be before us. And uh, we just trust you, and we praise you, and honor you, and glorify you in all things. And we pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So thank you for uh, joining us for this service this morning. I'll just make a few comments um, by way to close uh, off the service this morning. In the text um, that was read in Hebrews, um, we see that there was two kingdoms. There was the kingdom that Christ brought here upon this earth, um, a kingdom that will never end, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, um, whose foundation is firm because it rests in the truth of God and his word. Uh, and then we see the kingdom of this world that um, so quickly passes away. And even as we look around us, we can see, um, as Brother Werner mentioned this morning, that um, this world in some ways has been brought to its knees, and um, we see that it is truly being shaken. But not just the kingdom of this world, um, not, there's not just the contrast that we see between the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God, but we see the contrast between your kingdom, your own kingdom, and the kingdom of God. And uh, Brother Warner asked some very um, introspective questions at the beginning of his sermon, questions like, how am I personally responding to what is going on here? How much am I relying upon myself or the systems of this world versus relying upon God? And what changes need to be made to make me more firmly grounded in the hope of the kingdom of God? And I think a lot of us are asking ourselves the question, um, as we try to process this, it seems to have happened so quickly, we're asking ourselves the question, what is God doing through this worldwide pandemic? Is this um, the judgment of God upon this earth? I think it may be. Um, it probably is. Um, it wouldn't be the first time that God has judged um, the earth uh, because of its sin. But I think there are some things that we do know for certain from the Word of God. We know that um, what is happening around us is, is, a re, is a reminder for us of the fallenness of mankind, of the futility of mankind because of sin, sin that began back in the Garden of Eden. And there's some verses in Romans chapter 8, um, three verses that I'd just like to read to wrap up this morning's message. Romans chapter 8, um, verses 20 through 23. For the creation was made subject to vanity or futility, not willingly, but by reason of him which hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 
For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but we ourselves also, which are the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our bodies. As Christians, we have a hope that even though this world is fallen and and the self and and as a result of sin um, everything is is subject to corruption, um, because we have the Spirit of God living in us, we have this hope. Even though we are under that same futility, and what this I think this this um, epidemic and everything that's happening around us should do or or should the way that we should process this is to move us to examine our own lives. And to repent of any sin that is in our lives and to look to Jesus who is the only hope. You know, I appreciated what Brother Werner said this morning about, um, a lot of us are very much caught up, and I see this in my own, in myself as well, that we're caught up in the news and everything that's happening that seems to be happening so quickly, and we can quickly turn to the news that is in this world. But, as Christians, we should be looking to not just the news that is in this world, but the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is the good news that even though we are fallen in sin, and we are under, as a result, the judgment of God, even here upon this earth, through Christ, he came to this world to redeem mankind, and ultimately to restore him back to himself, to restore that broken relationship. And that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that should be forefront on our minds as we try to process all of the news that is is bombarding us every day and everything that's happening around us. May we consider the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and that be the focus on our mind as we go forward in this week. So with that, um, we will conclude this service and uh, commit each of you to the Lord's hands uh, until we meet again. Amen.